Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and I am joined by her Batness, London. We are being produced and engineered by Mason Booker, who's in the house. This week, we are talking Robin. The History of Robin is now the name of this particular podcast. It's part two. If you were listening last week, you know that we went over Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, and we started on Tim Drake. London, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm really good. I'm really good. We really were talking Major Robin last week. (laughs) And I, you know, there's just so much to this character. I just really never knew how in depth and how much history there is with Robin. And it's it's crazy. It's fascinating. You wouldn't think for someone who is supposed to be a type of secondary character, a sidekick, would have so much history behind it, just like Batman does. It's really great how much DC has built on this character in and out of comics. And it sounds like, based on uh, the episode that we did where you came back from Comic-Con and talked about a lot of the announcements, it seems like Robin, there's still big plans for him. Yep. I mean, they're ha- celebrating his 75th anniversary this year with more books, like three more publications are coming out this fall. Which is what we're doing, celebrating the 75 <laughs> years of Robin. So there's a lot in store for Robin. So we got to get to that. Uh, Before we do, I just want to shout out one of our sponsors. It is ComicsFix.com. They are the Netflix of digital comic reading. You join them for a monthly subscription and get to read as much as they have. Really great stuff. So check out ComicsFix.com. You can read it on your computer your tablet, and your phone. Also, I'd like to talk to you and tell you about an $3 off your Loot Crate. That's right, LootCrate.com. It's partnered with Meltdown. And anytime you order a subscription service from Loot Crate, which is, if you don't know, you pay a monthly fee, and in the mail, you get this great box with exclusive items. They have tons of cool stuff that you can only get through Loot Crate. So if you go and enter the code MELTDOWN, you will get $3 off your subscription. So go check that out, LootCrate.com. All right, London, when we last were speaking, we were talking about Tim Drake. And this is the third Robin. Yes. Some people say their favorite Robin because he earned it. There wasn't a tragic death of the family type story that brought him on board. It was his inquisitive nature and his detective skills that actually helped him find out that Batman was Bruce Wayne. Right. And that's, I think a great way to introduce yourself into DC comics in general, particularly the Batman mythos, because you find someone who can level up to Batman in an area that he's seen as the world's greatest detective. Well, he has a sidekick who is 
giving him a run for his money, finding out that, finding out his secret identity. So that was a huge appeal to audiences and people that I talked to today, they still say that Tim Drake is their favorite Robin because of that. Right. So we talked a little bit about how he figured out that Batman was Bruce Wayne. We talked about him, you know, having a bigger role in the Batman mythos becoming the red Robin. Right. What else do we need to know about Tim Drake that we don't know that we should know? I think just knowing how his history goes in particular, like I mentioned in the last episode that tragedy struck at a much later time for him being Robin. He was Robin starting in 1990 lasting to almost 20 years and ending in 2009 but he witnessed the death of his mother he witnessed the death of his father and his allies and his romantic interest and i think an interesting thing to note about him drake is when bruce wayne was considered dead and he was absent from gotham and the batman family Tim didn't believe that he died. So when he became Red Robin, his first initial goal was to prove that Bruce Wayne was still alive, that Batman was still around. And that just adds to his detective persona trying to figure out the mystery behind Bruce Wayne disappearing, which is something that no one in the Batman family or even his rogues, Commissioner Gordon, anybody would ever think would happen to Batman. And I think just that inquisitive nature that he has being that detective played a really big role, not just in Robin, but as red Robin. And that played into even the reboot in the new 52 when he was briefly there, but then red Robin wasn't really a big character in the new 52. And a lot of people missed that, which I actually found interesting. They wanted to see more Red Robin in the new comics, and he's not there, really. Right. So where is Tim Drake now? He's... he's. It's weird. He is there within the comics. He, I think he's going to come back in a bigger role within, I would think, the Batman and Robin Eternal, which is coming out. But it's not as Robin as as another thing. But Tim Drake right now is actually Batman Beyond. So it's interesting to see him be a whole new different character and in this futuristic setting. And Batman Beyond, that that guise is very popular as well. Did he travel to time through time to become Batman Beyond? It's it's a little bit of futuristic continuity, but yeah, it's and I I mean I like it. The art in it is fantastic. Bernard Chang does a really fantastic job, and it's I never thought that they would have Tim Drake as Batman Beyond to be honest. So it kind of threw me, but that's where he is right now. I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't know if he's going to go back to the Red Robin guys. Not necessarily sure, but I like where he is right now. So. Well, okay, I'm confused, and maybe. Okay, so <laughs> Batman Beyond was first an animated series. Yes. And then it became a comic book. Right. 
and it exists on its own in its own universe. It's in its own universe, yes. Okay, so Tim Drake is part of, I guess, the main DC universe, and he's the Red Robin. And then how does he transition from Red Robin to Batman and Beyond? Or is it just a different it's different Tim Drake? It's 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 a different Tim Drake in a sense. He's within that continuity. It isn't necessarily confusing how he got from one place to another. I think they just started off with Tim Drake being this character. And he's still linked to the Batman family. He's still linked to have being Red Robin and that. Right. So. But that's like an alternate universe. Yes, it's different from the mainstream DC Okay, continuity. so where is Tim Drake in the mainstream DC continuity now? He would still be labeled as Red Robin. Okay. But you don't really see him that much. So he's <laughs> he's kind of in the background. No right. one really... There's no major comic book right now no. that, that you could find he Tim Drake. majorly in Batman Beyond, which is separate kind What caused but. him to phase out? I'm not really sure, actually. And I think a lot of comic book readers aren't necessarily sure why he kind of phased out a little bit. But he was in the forefront for the first couple of years when the DC reboot was happening. But then it's interesting. The stories were kind of driven for Batman and especially for Robin with the whole Damian Wayne thing and with Nightwing turning to Grayson and all of the other characters, Batgirl. And then when Batman Eternal came, he wasn't even as much present in that series as he was. It's, I think he should be more into the continuity personally because he's an interesting character. He lines well with Batman, but so was it when Damian Wayne came into existence as Robin? Tim Drake just kind of fizzled out, or was there is there something I'm missing? I think within the New Fifty Two, they just I think they kind of phased him out. I'm not necessarily sure why. I'm sure the DC creators have a reason, but I think he kind of was phased out once he became Red Robin before the well, pre-New 52. He was definitely a huge part of the Batman family, and it just kind of, maybe they were phasing him out because he was going to be Batman Beyond, and we didn't know it, and maybe they wanted to focus on one comic instead of having him around. I, really I, sure. I think I understand. So you, you have Tim Drake as Robin, and then... The new fifty two comes where they totally, or you said it was a soft reboot, soft but it, <laughs> it's a reboot of the DC universe. And when they did new comics like Red Hood and the Outlaws and all these other ones, Red Robin was left out in the cold. They didn't really focus they on him. They didn't really focus on him. He didn't have he he didn't really have his his own really. And I'm not necessarily sure why, but. Right. But in the universe, <laughs> in, the, in the comic book world, they just didn't really, they kind of left him out. Right. And <laughs> so he's out there and maybe he'll be back. There's a strong possibility they might bring him back. Right. They bring back everybody. Well, that is true. <laughs> and they are having the Robin War, right? Right. So he, there's a definite, he might just jump in there. We just don't know it yet. That's kind of, that's kind of, uh, doesn't sound like Tim Drake deserved to be just phased out and forgotten. <laughs> I mean, the guy did figure out who Batman was. I Which mean, is a really big deal. Right. Uh, that's that's pretty know. impressive. 
So they probably just <laughs> took fast forwarded him into some future universe and said, okay, now you're Batman Beyond. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. So is that fair or not? I think that's pretty fair. Okay. In a general sense, yeah. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. All right. So now we've got Tim Drake phased out. The Red Robin, he's gone. Who is the other Robin? You mentioned a Stephanie Brown. Yes. Tell she, me about Stephanie. She is considered, even though her her time as Robin was very brief, she is considered in regular continuity the fourth Robin. She debuted back in 1992. It was created by Chuck Dixon, and it was in Detective Comics 647. And her role was more of kind of a, a plot device, which is part of the story. Her father was the villain Clue Master, and she wanted to expose all of the wrongdoings and schemes he was up to, so she disguised herself and called herself the Spoiler. Literally, she wanted to spoil his plans. And at that point, that's all she was. She wasn't a huge player within the the Batman mythos. She was just part of this short story arc. But then she started to date Tim Drake, and that is how she kind of was roped in to the Batman family and to the Batman mythos. And she was a love interest of sorts. And she was still spoiler, and she was kind of a rogue hero. It wasn't official. Batman necessarily didn't approve and once Tim Drake kind of broke it off with her and he went off to do his own thing and he wasn't Robin anymore, she wanted to step in and be Robin. And Batman gave her that opportunity and trained her. And for a real, like I said, a really brief period of time, she was Robin and she first debuted as Robin in the publication Robin Volume 1, number 126. And in the next issue, 127 on the cover, she is there with Robin, I mean with Batman, and she has the usual red and green and yellow outfit, but it's she's the first regular continuity girl wonder, I suppose. Was that met with any controversy? Of course, <laughs> but a lot of people did embrace the fact that she was a girl and wanted to see that, and we'll get to this character soon, but once people saw Carrie Kelly back in Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns in the mid-80s, people liked that aspect, so I think DC wanted to revisit a girl being Robin. Yeah, I was going to say that you did mention and you did qualify that Stephanie Brown was the first female Robin in the normal, regular continuity. Right. Because Frank Miller introduced the female Robin in The Dark Knight, which was not in the regular. Right. It is distinguished as on Earth-31. So technically it is not in the mainstream and is an alternate universe. A lot of people would argue that just because of how the story played out, but it is technically was an Elseworld before Elseworlds existed. But right. we'll talk about that later in the episode. <laughs> okay, so let's hit with Stephanie Brown then. So Stephanie Brown, like I said, her tenure as Robin didn't last long. She could not keep up to the task of being Robin, and Batman, for the most part, fired her and said that she's not cut out to be Robin. And within the War Games series... She 
pretty much messed up. She activated a scheme that put all of the Gotham City criminal underground ablaze. People were killed, and she eventually gets captured by Black Mask, who is the main villain in that story arc, and she is seemingly tortured and killed. So she is killed off right after she is being fired as Robin. And that is a shock to Tim Drake because he dated her. And that was a shock to Batman because he felt that it was his fault, even though he faulted her for starting the whole Gotham war in the first place, being a Robin, he felt responsible for her death in many ways. And then you learn a few years forward that Leslie Tompkins, she wanted to protect stephanie brown within that whole war and so she faked her own death and she relocated her and then batman finds out and although he's relieved that stephanie's alive he's upset with leslie Tompkins and threatens her and says don't ever come near my family and it's this whole dramatic sequence but stephanie doesn't become robin again she actually for a period of time is batgirl for a short period of time. And then we see her in the new 52 and she's spoiler again. And she first appeared in Batman eternal in that series. So her time as Robin was short, but it's still counted. She was still Robin for a few issues and she created heartache and controversy within the Batman family. Wow. <laughs> and did she end up going on to bigger and better things? Did she ever like take on the Batgirl right. role? Right, she or? was Batgirl for a period of time in that publication, and then the series rebooted, and then Batgirl, of course, now in the New 52 is Barbara Gordon, and and then she went back to her original guise as Spoiler and played a, a slightly larger role than she did when Chuck Dixon introduced her in 1992, but still... She's an important character within the mythos. Is she bumping around in the current continuity? A little bit. She's still spoiler. She isn't Batgirl or she hasn't taken up Robin. And I don't think, I think she'll stick with spoiler. I I think she her character wasn't favored as highly as others. And so that's why her moment within the stories and spotlight was very brief. And I think that was their kind of way of taking her out of it. Where would you expect to find her now? Would she be in her own? She's not in her own comic. No, she was in Batman Eternal, which has ended. And perhaps she might appear in Batman and Robin Eternal. It's the sequel. So there's a possibility she may make an appearance there. Okay. <laughs> but no one really knows at this particular moment. No. Okay. Next, Robin. Oh. Are we going with Damian Wayne? Yep. That oh, is boy. The, the fifth Robin in the regular continuity and the current Robin. So, so currently, there is a Robin <laughs> with Batman. Yes. And <laughs> is this Robin also in any other teams or groups? Right now, he... Well, in the New 52 and this continuity he probably will see him in the future robin issues but he isn't really he's appeared with teen titans briefly but other than that he's his his time in new 52 has been interesting because he's died and he's been resurrected and he's been busy 
<laughs> wow, think. I don't even know where to start. I guess I, you got to start, start at the from beginning. The, the beginning, because his story is is a really great one to follow. I think right. his character has gone through so much, but it's it's, okay. it's a little bit to go through. So Damian <laughs> Wayne is, I'm saying Wayne, so he must be related to Bruce Wayne. Yes. Okay, so go on. <laughs> start at the beginning. How is that even possible? Okay, so Damian Wayne. Unnamed is first debuts in Mike W. Barr's Batman Son of the Demon, which came out in 1987. And within that book, Bruce Wayne and Talia Al Ghul, who's Ra's Al Ghul's daughter, they come together and she becomes pregnant. And then they have this whole ordeal. And she says, I'm having a miscarriage. And she lies and she has the baby. And Bruce doesn't know about it. And that's the big part of that one comic. And you see this unnamed baby in Elseworld comics. You see it in The Brotherhood of the Bat and in other stories like Kingdom Come. And you see him referenced, but you don't get the actual Damian Wayne. You don't get that figure until 2006, uh, Batman and Son, which was by Grant Morrison and Andy Cooper. And they create the character Damian Wayne when Talia comes to Bruce and introduces him as his son. And of course he's skeptical, but then he, but then in this one, which gained a little bit of controversy because Grant Morrison changed his background, how Damian was conceived that Talia drugged Bruce and that's, and forced herself upon him and she had the baby and it was all a forced act it wasn't consummated like it is in Barr's story from 87 and it wasn't a it wasn't intentionally altered according to Grant Morrison it just he just created a new background which is understandable you just didn't link the two stories at this point I suppose but in that story you you are definitely introduced to Damien as a kind of self-absorbed entitled young kid who grew up being trained under the League of Assassins under his mother and his grandfather's rule and tactics and he's almost the perfect warrior and being Bruce's only biological son, he feels the right to be Robin where Tim Drake at this time is still Robin and he battles Tim Drake for the mantle. He fights him and you're introduced to Damien. He's kind of this rough kid and yet Batman, he doesn't really like him as a person, but he kind of blames himself for the way he is because he had to be raised under Talia and he didn't get the first 10 years of his life to kind of mold him into the hero that he would want him to be in the future someday if he would want him to be Robin. And you see Damien more when Bruce Wayne is absent, when he dies in Final Crisis, and then you have the Batman R.I.P. series, and then you get to Batman Battle for the Cow. And, of course, Damien, feeling entitled, feeling that he should follow his father's bloodline, he says he should be Batman, and battles everyone. He battles Grayson, he battles Jason Todd, which ends badly for Damien because Jason shoots him, he becomes wounded, but then he's healed. 
And he even saves Tim Drake from dying. And as the status quo turns out to be, coming into 2009, we see that Dick Grayson is Batman and that Damian Wayne is the new Robin. And so then we see that dynamic duo in Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin that comes out in 2009. Wow. So <laughs> Damien, I do remember reading when he was first introduced, him being a real snot. Yes. And Batman pretty much takes it upon himself to kind of teach him respect. Right. He doesn't want him to grow up feel or to grow up with him feeling the way he does so entitled. He understands that he feels that way because that's his son and it should follow in his footsteps, but he wants him to respect whatever mantle, whatever guise he has, and to definitely respect the Batman family as a whole. He doesn't want him to disrespect him, Drake, or Dick Grayson, or anyone else, even Alfred. He wants him to grow up the right way. And being a killer assassin has kind of has him rough around the edges and even Batman is brooding and dark he tries to I think smooth that characteristic out a little bit but Damien always remains kind of the snarky sny assassin type <laughs> and I'm when did Damien come to Bruce Wayne about how old was he he was around 10 maybe a little bit older and so before that he was with his mom he was with his mom, and he was... The Assassin's Guild. Right, and he was kind of, in a way, artificially grown in this artificial womb. He literally was the perfect type of assassin that Talia and Roz would want their son and grandson to grow up to be in a way to lead in one day the League of Assassins. And Ra's al Ghul, he wanted Batman, Bruce Wayne, still, I think, to be the heir to that throne. But Damien is the closest they would have gotten since Batman was on the side of good and they were on the opposite. And so we have Damien now here coming to Bruce is he full-time with Bruce, or is there a parental sharing agreement going on? Talia, in a way, hands hands him off to Bruce, saying that you should just protect him. And she pops in and out, but really she is introducing Damien to Bruce, saying, this is your son, it's your time to take care of him. And like I said, Bruce is kind of skeptical. He gets the whole DNA thing and wants to make sure, okay, is this really my son? And when it turns out it is, that's when, like you said, he wants to mold him, make him more respectable, make him not so harsh, not so much of the killer side, but more of the side to what Batman represents and eventually what Robin represents. So now Bruce Wayne has a true ward which is his son. Right. <laughs> and they continue to just now build a relationship. How long has this relationship been going on? Well, it's interesting because Damien, he has a relationship with Bruce in comics for a few years, but then once he passes away, he has to build a whole new relationship with Dick Grayson. 
as Batman because he's Robin. And when it first starts out, he doesn't give him the respect that he thinks he deserves. He thinks that he should be Batman, that he doesn't deserve to don the cape and the cowl. And so he goes against Dick for a while. And they eventually, within the Batman and Robin publication, build their own type of system that works in terms of how they do their crime fighting and they build a they they build a team within themselves and for that time Bruce is absent and he doesn't have the opportunity to spend time with Bruce because he's gone and even when he returns he Bruce wants Dick and Damien to still have that dynamic duel to still be Batman while he does Batman Incorporated and gets all of that settled all around the world. And then we see once the new 52 begins, once the soft reboot begins that in Batman and Robin, Bruce Wayne is Batman and Damian Wayne is Robin. And at the time Dick Grayson goes back to being Nightwing and everything kind of sets into how we see it today and so you don't really see Batman and Robin Bruce and Damien as a team really until recently until 2011 you only seen them for a few years and then tragedy strikes within the first year of, of their comics especially in the story arc Batman death of the family when the Joker returns and he wreaks havoc on all of the Batman family members after that happens Damien tries to seek out Joker and wants to take him out personally because now he feels that personal that personal almost vengeance and vibe and thing that Batman has with Joker and he kind of sympathizes with his father and yet you see the return of Talia in a whole publications worth in Batman Inc. And in Batman Inc. number eight, Damien is killed is killed by a clone heretic, which was made from Talia Agul, and Batman loses another Robin. So we see a lot of visual similarities between when Batman lost Jason Todd and when he lost Damian Wayne. But this time, you see Batman on a whole rant wanting to find and get vengeance for Damien's death. He is angry and is relentless against all criminals and wants to find a way to bring Damien back. He can't cope with the fact that Damien's dead. And I think that this compared to him losing Jason Todd, the way that he reacts is different, more from an outside point of view within the DC Comics industry because they killed off Damien, but everyone had the feeling that they weren't going to keep him dead or he shouldn't have died. or It wasn't that people didn't like him. It wasn't that they didn't have a good response with Damien. They liked, he had enough attitude that perhaps Jason had, but he still was loyal to his father. He still was loyal to Batman. And I think that's what people really like to see within the Robin character. They like to see that loyalty and that dedication to his mentor, to his father. So when he died, I think people kind of knew, okay, we want to bring him back. Whereas when Jason Todd died, he was voted off. Right. <laughs> he was the audience wanted him to die. So Batman w felt guilty and he 
was remorseful and he was sad within the following comics after Death in the Family. But when Batman Inc., for the comics following for the next year or so, you just see Batman trying to find a way to bring him back to life. And that's when you see Batman teaming up with characters like Wonder Woman and even Ra's al Ghul, and they come together, and it's after Batman has a conflict with Talia because they actually have a fight to the death within the Batcave, and Batman wins, and Talia dies, and Ra's wants to bring Talia back to life, whereas, da- whereas Batman wants to bring Damien back. So they join forces, Batman and Ra's, to hunt down Damien and Talia's bodies and when they discover that they're stolen by one of Darkseid's people. And you see this short, short arc, and Robin rises by Patrick Gleason and Peter Tomasi, who were the who are the main writers in Batman and Robin. And eventually Batman finds Damien's body and he has the choice of either bringing back to life his parents or Damien and he decides to bring back his son because he didn't deserve to die neither did his parents but he wanted to bring Damien back and wanted to get that vengeance and Damien was brought back to life and for a short period of time Damien came back with superpowers (laughs) which was odd he had super strength and which you could have which you can see in one of the covers where it's very Superman like where Damien has bullets ricocheting off of him and people I remember when this came out and people were like so is he just going to be a Superman type forever but we learned that it was very it was a short period of time and he it has just his natural abilities and at the moment he is still Robin and he's still fighting with Batman that is an interesting thing where Batman's whole life his whole existence is based a lot on the death of his parents. Yet he chose to bring back to life a son who he didn't know right? that much, I mean, as well. But in the alternative, I guess the argument against that is, yeah, but, you know, here's a new young life that you exactly. can kind of help mold and you always would rather have the youth stay alive right. and give them a chance. And it's interesting because there are some comics where Batman sees his parents brought back or he has a scenario of what if they didn't die. And then in the end, he always turns to its fate that and destiny that they have to lose their life, although it's tragic he won't be able to be the Batman that he is without their deaths. And even though that's very grim, (laughs) I think that kind of plays into it. But definitely the goal was to get Damien back and to bring him back to life. And audiences like Damien. There's no reason to kill him off. (laughs) You said that earlier in the last episode that Tim Drake was, I'm sorry, that Dick Grayson was your favorite Robin. Yes. Where's Damien rank in your list of Robins? Damien, I would say he's number three because I like Tim Drake next. Mm. And then I like Damien. And then I am a fan of of Carrie Kelly. <laughs> is is that our next Robin? Soon, but yes. Okay. <laughs> We're going into the alternate universes next. All right, so is I there, thought I would mention her. <laughs> yeah, well, good. Are we is there anything left on Damien that we need to cover that I am not aware of? 
I'm excited to see how Damien will play in the new Batman and Robin Eternal series because he's going to be one of the main characters and just how he plays out as Robin in the future publications because as of right now, he he is Robin out of all of the long line that we've discussed over this episode and, and the last. He is, and it's. I always thought it was fitting that he would be Robin, and even though I love Dick Grayson, I always thought that his that Batman's son should take up the mantle at some point, even before Damien kind of came into comics. And I always saw Dick Grayson as kind of a son type, kind of his, yeah, like his adopted son, his son that he never had until Damien came into the picture. So I'm just interested to see where Damien will go and what stories will lead while he's alongside Batman. Okay. Damien. I think it's a great one. And is there a particular collected edition or a graphic novel trade paperback that you would recommend if someone said, I want to know about Damien. What should I look for? Definitely should look for his debut, Batman and Son. It's Grant Morris and Andy Cooper. I know that's a trade paperback. And to look into Batman and Robin, the New 52, Volume 1, Volume 2, and Batman Inc., where you see his, where he dies. And then definitely look into the Robin Rises series. It's short. And also Damien had his own story drawn and written by Andy Cooper. It's Damien, Son of Batman. That's a great four-issue limited series to look into. The New 52 has really expanded upon Damien and looked more into his personal life and just what kind of character he is being Robin. And yeah, I would definitely recommend all of those. And yeah, yeah and my favorite is Batman and Son. I really like the Grant Morrison story, his introduction, because you really see the the original assassin that Talia trained him to be kind of Damien in his rawest form we'll probably ever see him in. So I, yeah. I recommend that. <laughs> and I, and do you meet people, do you talk to people who are frankly surprised that they don't realize that, or maybe they don't know enough, I guess, because if they're reading comics, they probably know that Damien is involved in the story. But I think to some it would sound as something to be maybe shocking because it's like Batman had a son? Yes. No one, I mean, it's not... a lot of people don't even see Batman being in a relationship at all. <laughs> right. So the fact that he has a son, and I think it was something that was a long time coming. It took until the mid-2000s in so many years of Batman for this to even happen. Right. So, yeah. It's kind of cool how they do that. You know, there's, you think you've found everything there is to know about a certain character. <laughs> Right. And then you can always count on someone's creativity to come up with another story arc that you never thought about. It's like you could look at one little dangling thing that happened 30 years ago and then make a whole story of it. Right. And this is a good segue into our final part of our history of Robin is looking at the DC multiverse of Robins, the alternate realities and continuities where we see Robin. And now I know you got something planned here <laughs> and I know I don't, I, I hate to take you off your normal <laughs> routine, 
but you've always said that one of your favorite guilty pleasures is All Star Batman by uh, uh, by, by Frank Miller, Miller and Jim yes. Lee. Yes. Who was the Robin there? Oh, Dick Grayson. Okay. It's a it's a retelling of his origin story from Detective Comics thirty eight. It's just a really raw retelling. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to know. Oh, because yes, every I time love that. I yes. know you do. That's why I wanted to find out. Okay. So sorry. Now to the regularly scheduled Robins. <laughs> Well, it's it's fun because the first Robin was Dick Grayson, and then you see other people take up the the costume, and not in an official way necessarily. For instance, Batman's first love interest, Julie Madison, who was his fiance, wore the Robin costume in one panel to help the dynamic duo fight off Clayface. And it's little things like that you'll see within comics. But you also see within the 1950s in Detective Comics 226 that Bruce Wayne wore the Robin costume for a comic. And it's called When Batman Was Robin. It's written by Edmund Hamilton, and the art was by Dick Sprang and Charles Paris. And Bruce Wayne tells a story where he dresses up in a Robin-type costume to keep his identity secret from Detective Harvey Harris, who he wanted to learn more about being a detective and his detective skills. So you actually see Batman within the Robin costume, even if it's for a comic. It's interesting to see Batman in the Robin suit. And you'll look at different Earths, like Earth 2, there, Dick Grayson never leaves the Robin mantle. He doesn't become Nightwing. He just stays Robin. He's just an older Robin. And you look at different Earths like Earth 3, we see that the Talon, who's the son of Owlman, is Robin. And all these different things. But I think the most well-known alternate version of Robin comes in Carrie Kelly, who is a Frank Miller, Klaus Jansen creation and first appeared in frank miller's alternate reality uh, batman the dark knight returns from 1986 and it shows carrie kelly as this young 13 year old girl who is inspired when she sees the retired batman come and fight the mutant gang in gotham and she gets all of her lunch money together and she makes her own Robin costume and she actually saves Batman who's being pummeled by the mutant gang leader and because of her bravery and her being so inspired Batman has her as his Robin and a lot of people like this Robin because she was technically seen as the first girl Robin even though it wasn't in regular continuity and then other people, for some reason, didn't like Carrie Kelly. She thought she was too rough and she didn't play the girl part enough. And different reasons, different opinions. But within this groundbreaking story, it's almost fitting to have something as groundbreaking as a girl Robin when for the past 40, almost 50 years, it was just boys, right. <laughs> guys who were in the Robin costume. Right. So I think out of the whole alternate realities carrie kelly is considered a robin if i ever talk about the robin history on my instagram page i always include her i never exclude her because she feels like a regular continuity robin because she plays such an important part and you see her again in the sequel the dark knight strikes again and she's Catgirl. 
And Frank Miller has the conclusion coming out this fall. Perhaps we'll see here in that. I'm not sure. Right. It it it's crazy. I mean, she was a 13 year old girl right. when she came into <laughs> Frank Miller's Dark Knight storyline. And I think now of my 13 year old niece. <laughs> And I don't think she could kick anybody's butt, <laughs> much less a mutant gang leader. Right. I mean, that is, I don't know, it's just kind of crazy. I guess you do, just, you people lose perspective of the age. But I mean, I can't imagine that a 13-year-old is very forceful, whether it'll be a boy or a girl. Right. I couldn't I couldn't imagine my 14-year-old sister doing that. Right. <laughs> She would probably love to dress in the costume, but I don't think she can go out there and, you know. <laughs> right. The, the motivation of right. these Robins, I just... And it's interesting. We discussed in the other episode about how people found the age difference between Batman and Robin kind of weird. And this is an even more extreme age difference because Batman's older. He's 55. Yeah. It's not even remotely close. And yet people still loved their dynamic. So I can't tell if it's because he's old enough where it's like she's taking care of him in a sense and protecting him or i don't really know what the, where the logic is where this is okay right. but having batman and dick grayson at his young age isn't right <laughs> i mean truthfully when i picture a robin in my mind i think i'm more comfortable believing that maybe we're at least in the mid to early early to mid 20s because i just think physically to fight crime, to battle psychopathic monsters and right. whatnot, you need to have some kind of just physical strength. I just don't think at 13 at you're mature 13, enough. you're just ready. Right. I mean, I don't think any teenagers really. Uh, no. And, and as we say that, it's interesting to see the new book that's out right now that's called We Are Robins because it's a group of teenagers who have no formal training who technically don't have a mentor but they all dress in a robin type guys and just go out there and fight bad guys right so are they fighting as a group yes well then maybe that's then maybe but it's just interesting because that seems to be okay right and it's interesting how their the identity of robin is kind of developing into this dynamic type where it seems like you can relate to robin because if you're a teenager reading we are robin right now you'd be like hey he's he's my age and he's doing this and it all comes back to when dick grayson was created in 1940 right. it's that inspiration it's that hope and it's kind of yeah it's definitely an inspiring character i mean when you say that there's a bunch of robins fighting crime as a group young kids i i mean for some reason i think of v for vendetta yes <laughs> and just how they all take on a guys i and... think there's definitely influence from that really yeah now that i right. think about it that that's interesting well yeah. I, yeah, I don't know why i thought of that but <laughs> i'm glad that i happen to be listening enough to make that analogy <laughs> but it is crazy that you know they could make a robin into some kind of revolutionary right and the the writer lee bermijo who I really like, especially I really liked his Batman Noel. That's one of my favorite stories. He even said that this story arc is to showcase the diversity of the DC multiverse, of the what happens after the convergence, 
kind of issuing in the DCU initiative where everything is very diverse and we see all these different characters. And with Robin's 75th anniversary, the We Are Robin book, I think, is off to a great start. And I'm excited to see what else is in store. Plus, in the fall, we have the Batman and Robin Eternal and we have the Robin War, and we're just getting more and more into that character. So you're saying that we are Robin, where they all the kids dress up as Robin? That's out right now? Yep, that's out right now. It's issue two is out right now. Oh, so I could actually go over to Meltdown Comics yeah, right now I and pick it up? I actually saw it on the shelf before we started recording. Number two? Yeah. Did number one sell out, do you know? is it Was it a hot I, issue? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Because I'd like to start yeah. reading that. And if you can't find in the stores, always the digital stores, of course. Of and, course. But yeah, those are out and they're really good. (laughs) That is good to know. So there you go, folks. I mean, it's out right now. So if you are looking for comics to read and you need a suggestion and you find that concept of maybe V for Vendetta mixed (laughs) with Robin, then there you go. You could get in early on issue two. Be an early adapter. (laughs) All right. Is there anything else with Carrie Kelly that we want to discuss I think visually she was pretty cool, too. Right. Visually, she was pretty awesome from her outfit to even the hair and the goggles. It was a very abstract look to Robin. And just the fact that she was a girl, I think, is pretty cool. Because it's always nice to see girl characters within comics and being the heroes and maybe not the villains or the vixens and things like that. It's always it's something for young girls who read comics to read. It's something that... I saw when I was younger reading comics. Well, so. it clearly had an influence. And <laughs> I think that is a, a worthy thing. And I think you are seeing now comics involving girls and women to actually be gaining some popularity. I mean, I know Miss Marvel was right. doing great for Marvel. And I know uh, Batgirl. Batgirl is doing great. That is a really great series. And so it, it, it is nice to see. And I guess you could thank Frank Miller again for being a revolutionary and <laughs> in, in deciding that he was going to, you know, put a girl as Robin because at that time that was unheard of really. Right. I mean, really it's, I know you had other DC characters and it was always, there's always been the Holy Trinity of Superman, Wonder Woman and Batman, but you know, to have a Robin who was a female, that's pretty cool. Right. That whole arc was pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. I, we, and we've <laughs> talked about that. It is it is an amazing, right. groundbreaking One series. episode we'll just dedicate to just talking about that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, hey, we can do it. Is there any other Robins to talk about? In I'm sure there are Elseworlds and all kinds of small things to talk about and see with Robin. But I think in these two episodes, we've covered the big Robins, the main ones, and some of the more important side Robins. And they all are have their unique characteristics, and they all, in a way, represent what I think Jerry Robinson and Bill Finger and Bob Kane created back in 1940. And it's amazing that Robin... It's amazing, but not surprising that Robin has reached 75 years, and I'm sure he'll reach another 75 years. I'm sure he will, too. (laughs) Let me ask this one last question, then. It appears that Batman designed his own costume. Did he allow Dick Grayson to design that costume, or did he kind of say, here you go? 
originally it was kind of a here you go, but there have been different interpretations where where he actually had a similar suit as an acrobat. Right. Yes, it was based off of his acrobat suit. If a lot of times when you see the origin and you see Dick Grayson with John and Mary in the family circus, it's the same color scheme and it's very similar to what he ends up wearing as Robin. So it's not necessarily a coincidence that that kind of comes together. And in some in some comics, such as All-Star Batman, Dick has to make his own costume. Batman doesn't make it for him. So it just depends on which book you're reading and what the writers want to do. <laughs> right. Interesting. Interesting. And then once that character or that hero was established seems like everyone kind of took influence from that original costume regardless of how it was done and kept it going right and tim drake was the first robin to alter the original costume and make it more modern not too kiddish kind of fitting better and that carried on for about 15 20 years so it it depends on the character but the same color scheme even right now we see damian wayne and it's not the exact same but we still see the red the hint of green the hint of yellow we see the r it's still the same even from 75 years ago there's still an homage somewhere and i think it always will be the we are robins we see more liberties we see more of a street style we see different types of interpretations but if we're going to the just the regular robin alongside batman I think it will always call back to Dick Grayson's original. There was also another Robin costume that I always was uh, quite fond of. I thought was very cool was the one that Alex Ross, I think, did in Justice. Oh, yeah. Didn't he do a Red Robin? Isn't it? It was a Red Robin design. And I think it took a lot of influence from or I guess the Red Robin that we know. It took a little bit of the influence. But yeah, is there's so many different Robins that we can go through that are in different comics right. and but and I think that's what's cool about it is that even when you see it and it's new, you kind of know this is Robin. <laughs> right. It's, well, I mean it really is. And, and I think that's I think he's one of the few side characters that is so well known to everybody. It right. is, and I think that's why DC is going all out celebrating his 75th anniversary. And then you wouldn't have, if you didn't have Robin, you wouldn't have the snappy taglines like Dynamic Duo, Cape Crusaders. Right. Are there any other nicknames that they had that I'm you can sh- think of? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but just the Boy Wonder by itself, that's, that's, iconic all on its own yeah (laughs) it is pretty special how you know you have this character who you might initially think as an afterthought to batman because obviously batman is so iconic and is so influential in all of culture and you kind of know oh batman and robin but man, there's really a lot about Robin too, and it's yes. and it's just as fascinating. And he's got his own drives and his own motivations that really push some great stories forward. Definitely. So, all right. Well, thanks for sharing our or your history or your knowledge on Robin, because again, it's super enlightening. What are we talking about next week? 
Next week, we are going to have a Batman 101 session. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be We're good. going to talk about the essential Batman comics that every newcomer to Batman comics, everyone that wants to start reading Batman comics but has no idea where to start, this is the episode to listen to for old and new fans just to get an idea of what great stories have developed of Batman that represents him and his history and mythos over the past 75 years. And if any listener wants to chime in and share what they think a top Batman story is, how do you recommend they get in touch with you? They can email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. And they can always reach out to me through direct message on Instagram.com slash History of the Batman, on Twitter.com slash History of the Batman, Facebook.com slash History of the Batman, and History of the Batman.tumblr.com to have more Batman history daily. And there it is. <laughs> Batman all day. It's, it's possible to have it 24 hours a day. <laughs> especially hanging out with London, no doubt. <laughs> so once again, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we have just had some incredible response to this podcast. The listeners seem to be growing each, each day. It's really quite fascinating and awesome, and we're very thankful for you tuning in. So thanks again from us here at the History of the Batman podcast with London. Also like to thank Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California, 7522 Sunset Boulevard for hosting. Tons of things always going on at Meltdown. Come on down. There's comedy, there's signings, there's just everything. It's a mecca of comic book culture. There's even a day you can come. It's called the Meltology, and you can join with a group of people and just draw, and the next week or the next time you come there'll be your uh drawing in a book with all the other artists there so it's called meltology just a cool experience a lot of community building going on here so thanks to all the people coming down for that please also check out our sponsor comicsfix.com they are a digital comics platform that you can read on your ipad your phone your computer it's like Netflix. You simply pay a monthly fee and you read unlimited amounts of comics. A good way to catch up and learn about various independent and mainstream comics stories. So check out comicsfix.com. Also, if you go to lootcrate.com and you want to sign up for probably the number one subscription service ever, it's huge and awesome, and they have tons of exclusives every month. Lootcrate.com, enter in the code MELTDOWN and get $3 off your subscription. Do it. Check it out. See us. Come hang. Whatever. Get in contact. <laughs> We're all excited about the History of the Batman podcast with London. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Adam Silverstein, co-host and co-producer. And again, we are joined by Mason Booker, our engineer and producer. London, see you next week. All right, <laughs> everyone, thank you very much. And as London always says on her blog or her Instagram site, peace, love, and Batman. <laughs> Have a good week. Bye-bye. <laughs>